Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Welcome to The Bridge. My name is Jason Smith. I'm from sunny California, the Golden State. And with me today is Alex Schur. Hello, everybody. This is Alex from Beijing. I want to go to this article, BBC.com, The Inevitable Rise of Work Talk. Mm. So this came out at the end of August, August 31st by Ellen Nguyen. It's, it basically says that people are actually quitting their jobs in, online, which we talked about before. It's called quit talking, uh, live stream quitting their roles, <laughs> uh, building reputations as career yep coaches. So a lot of people are actually moving to work online. This is a trend. So this is actually uh, beyond work talk. They're actually making their work Mm. TikTok or or something. So I think that's really fun. I know a lot of people who are influencers and that is all they do. So I think that's scary to just like, okay, I'm going to just be on YouTube or something. Yeah. I hope that they make make enough money. I know that from a friend of mine who is very popular on Twitter that after you get, I don't know, it's about 100,000 fans or something like that, you can actually make some revenue from being a what they call creator. And so people are starting to – people who have an enormous amount of fans – Uh, Mm -hmm. They are starting to make money from those kinds of platforms in the past, which I don't do anymore. I was on Chinese social media platforms and growing like uh, Shigua and Douyin and Billy Billy. And I made money, but it was it was very small amount of money. But I only have all together in China, like. 200,000 followers and mm. wasn't enough. To, I would never be able to live off the amount of money that I was making from making those videos. It wasn't Yeah, there enough, were probably you know? other things you needed to do to make money off of I mean, 200,000 followers isn't a small following base. You know, it's, there's mm. plenty of people. Um, but you would probably need to do more like sell, advertising yeah. and, and selling products and stuff to right. make money because a lot of people... That's, I that's only eat kind of high how, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, That's how a lot of young people, you know, live their lives now in China. Yeah. Um, they're able to just get a very stable income source from doing social media content curating. And then they um, they take people will come to them to ask them to make a little quick commercial or some sort of advertising one way or another. And they get paid or they put the products on their profile mm-hmm, page mm-hmm. and they get paid when people buy the products. So, well, yeah, not impossible, Jason. There's still <laughs> you still have the option. Well, you know, a lot of people are doing that in, in China. I, I want to hear your perspectives on how this works a little bit, because I want to talk about yeah. how this works in the United States, because they uh, th- there are several surveys that came out recently asking Americans what mm. they want to be when they grow up, young Americans, kids and in the male, it was there's two columns on the male side. The number one thing that people want to be is an athlete, a professional athlete, followed by an influencer. Okay, interesting. And on the female side, the number thing that people want to be is an influencer followed by a nurse. <laughs> so medica me, so oh, wow. in both columns, male and female, people are very interested in becoming influencers. So that is a very sought after profession for young people now, which I think is kind of dangerous Yeah, because, you know, maybe you and I or, or other folks who have podcasts and things, we, we do this uh, as part of our life or something, but I'm worried that like mm. 18 year olds 
going into the real world don't have, let's say, the most sound judgment. And sometimes the things that they will do to get attention can be extremely dangerous. Oh, absolutely. Especially when you start them young. They don't have a very wholesome idea of how this world works yet. So... A little you dangerous. Know, there's a um there's a Somalian, I can't remember his name. His social media name is like Kick Somalia or Kick Jack Somalia, something like that. And he um okay. he lives in Japan and he started doing things that were illegal to try to get attention mm. on his social media platforms, including going into oh God. sealed off compounds that are not publicly accessible and then filming himself in them while there's construction going on and stuff and he's not supposed to be there. I heard, and this is not confirmed yet, this is still being discussed in the media and different media platforms as Mm -hmm. of recording the show are reporting different outcomes for what's actually taking place. But he may be set to serve five years in prison in Japan for violating Japanese laws uh, to get attention on his social media. So, uh, again, there was a there was a TikTok challenge a couple years ago, and I'm not talking about the Tide Tide Mm -hmm. Pod challenge. I was talking. Where they take crates, plastic crates, and stack them on top of each other as high as they can go. And then they stand on top of it and say, hey, I got eight crates high or something. Uh, Some kids were falling and like breaking their arms and breaking their ribs. And, you know, again, when I'm talking about young people, like this is not something 45-year-old people go and do. They would never do these kinds of things. Absolutely not. Yeah. Because we've burned, you know, we've essentially burned our hand on the stove. Too many times, you know, we know that the world is a dangerous place and we're not willing to take those kinds of I know you're not 45. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to lump you into the the group with me. Oh, you know what? For a second, I didn't even I didn't even doubt that. I didn't even felt like there was anything. Yes, we are 45. Jason. (laughs) Mentally, I might as well. You know, it's like, you know, just kind of where my spirit is, I might as well be given all of the things I said about whether kids or how kids should use social media. (laughs) There are so many ridiculous I mean, we're not denying all of the good things that social media can do. Of course, we're just talking about how. Oh, yeah. I love cat videos. I'm never good enough. <laughs> cat videos are cute well, videos. I've, I've totally redone. I, I'm sorry. I'm an, I know I'm interrupting a, a wonderful thought that's coming. But, you know, we were, we were talking many months ago about the Instagram uh-huh. algorithm. Yeah. I figured it out. If you want to okay. change your Instagram algorithm, you just keep clicking on the things you like over and over and over and over and over and over for 30 minutes. And eventually it just is like, OK, that's what you like. So I've got it almost pure cat videos now <laughs> oh <laughs> i would love to i mean if we have a web- website or, or when we do have a website that's active when we can communicate with our listeners you should just post a screenshot or in a screen recording video of you <laughs> just looking at your feed and it's just non-stop cat videos it'll be quite enjoyable for everybody to watch there's so many ridiculous challenges earlier that you mentioned there's one that i think i talked about a while ago as well yeah 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 it was called <laughs> the cinnamon right. challenge i don't know if you heard about it it's basically just Taking a huge spoonful of cinnamon and just try to swallow it. You know, one thing good that came out of that whole, wouldn't we call it a campaign, that whole mm-hmm. shenanigan um, on the Internet is that it made me realize that you can't eat all <laughs> that much cinnamon all at once because you can't. There can't be serious, you know, the consequences. But these kids, like there are kids, there were kids who were trying these um, uh-huh. challenges and got hospitalized. Those are the kids who saw other kids having really, really, really strong body reaction to 
in taking that much cinnamon at once and they just went well i don't believe it and that's part of kids nature they are going to question a lot of stuff and they're not just going to learn to walk with it walk within Mm -hmm. the lane and look at someone else walking out of it and be like well that's not my lane i'm not going to go over there and that's kids nature and it's fine but when it comes to social media like this, when information comes and refreshes every two seconds, I, I just I don't know what they're what measures they're you know like that people could take to at least minimize. Like if your kid is going to try the cinnamon challenge at home, at least make sure like say, hey, you might want to think about it. <laughs> you can't stop them, but then but you might want to think about it. And having like a whole like a total thirty gram of cinnamon is probably not going to be that much um from having 10 grams of uh cinnamon so maybe just have 10 grams instead of 30 i don't know wow well i mean brainstorming here Jason. also just giant glass of water next to you because if you do that and you don't have anything to drink then you just stuck right <laughs> okay oh so this is from <laughs> yes oh yeah you're listening to the bridge This is from Pew Research Center. Millennials became the largest generation in the labor force in 2016. And this is talking about the United States. So it has all of these different lines. And basically, boomers are only now 41 percent as of 2017. Mm. Boomers are now only 41 million people in the U.S. labor force. And uh, Mm. millennials are now 56 million people in the U.S. labor force, with Gen Xers being 53 million. So basically, the young people have taken over the workplace. They outnumber boomers. Yeah. by like yeah. more than two to one. So basically it is a young yeah. workforce, you know, people in there, you know, from 18 to 35, everyone in there, they are the workforce in the United States now. Yeah. And the boomers, they, they are on their way out and hopefully they enjoy their RV trips across the United States. <laughs> and that's why so we I, had episodes. This changes. Yeah. Sorry. And that's why we had episodes before talking about working with millennials and working with Gen Zs because it's a very prominent question nowadays for, mm, for in, mm, in mm, all employees. I wanted to do another statistic. I love information. I think it helps us move forward with the conversation. Number of people using social media platforms from 2004 to 2018, according to Our World in Data, they got their source from Statista and TNW. So in 2004, Mm. it was nominal, meaning like less than a million people who were using social media platforms. Hard to believe. Yeah. And before I get to the rest of the statistic, I read this on Instagram today. Someone said, he he told some kids I'm older than Google and they didn't believe him. But you know, there's <laughs> oh a- <laughs> my god, I saw another video today. I think Google started in the 1990s. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I saw another video today. It was just like a kind of a re- you know one of the reveal videos. You start from somewhere and you land on the project you want to focus on, and it lands on a landline phone like a telephone. Mm-hmm. And then the caption above it goes, hey, Gen Z, this is why we call it hang up the phone. <laughs> you have to hang the thing up and there's like a little shelf that holds a little, the, the actual phone part of it. There's so many things that are so different. But I, I guess mm. kind of going back to how they're doing, social media has been, especially for Gen Z, social media has just been an inseparable part of their existence they've never Mm. had a day on earth where social media wasn't a thing right yeah exactly right they're totally it's a totally new world that people who did not grow up because you know when i when i was a kid there was nothing like that and if you got a phone call that was like once a month as a 10 year old so like you were just running around throwing mud at people and i don't know whatever that you know crazy kid stuff (laughs) so like now there's social that's what you did as a kid people but you know i threw baseballs around (laughs) i played in the mud i kind of mixed them up in my head when i was saying that (laughs) 
But you know, okay, this is 2018. <laughs> more than two and a half billion people on Facebook. Mm. Uh, YouTube, almost two billion people. Yeah. This is again 2018. WeChat, one billion. This is not 2023. Um, uh, Facebook dropped dramatically, and WeChat and uh, other uh, TikTok took off dramatically. So this is just yeah. as, as a. It's just overall, we're talking about about one in three people in the world are on social media all the time as of 2018. I'm guessing it's closer to half. Absolutely. Yeah, probably even more. It's probably growing like insane. Like almost everyone in the entire world now has access to the Internet in some way, shape or form, thanks to very inexpensive phones and uh, 5G technology that's rolled out since then. Huawei has been doing loops around the world, adding 5G towers everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. So it basically we are in a transitional period in which what it means to be in the world, what it means to work in the world is up for debate. It's actually evolving and developing as we're speaking. And people are moving into jobs where their job is. Mm. I was walking by, I was in um, Zhengzhou day before yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I was in this art district that they have there. And there was a, a person playing guitar while they were on Douyin and they had one of those yeah. round light screens and stuff. And I was with two young Chinese ladies. The ring lights. Yeah. I was with two young Chinese ladies and uh, I asked them, mm. what is he doing? And they said, oh, he will just sit there quietly until someone pays him to play guitar and then and online. They'll send him like a, enough <laughs> gifts to where he gets to like his, however many gifts he said he needed or money. And then he'll start <laughs> playing a song of their of their choice. And I was like, really? <laughs> and that's his job. And they were like. I'm sorry, that's just such a funny it's not funny in a bad way it's like a very entertaining idea because it's it's viewership right it's kind of like bringing back the old uh, viewership in a different way because you know how people are always complaining about social media or you know even before social media and youtube and you can just watch things for free and people are like oh well while you you just got to watch everything and you don't have to pay now it's like it's developed to a stage where you can kind of you can ask people to pay you to perform, and that's the the old school way of performing as as paid right. paid artists. Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of like you know a little renaissance in a different in a different form. Well, now that you said that, it makes me think of a kind of an analogy. You know, you used to have your uh-huh. your guitar case open, and you sit there on a chair quietly until someone throws some money in, and then you would play. This is essentially digital version of that. The same thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This young handsome young man who is extremely handsome, by the way. I think that's why the <laughs> ladies are going on to pay him to play music, but. He, he was utilizing his his strategic advantages of being able to play guitar and sing and being extremely handsome to make money via Douyin. Smart, smart, <laughs> smart young person, you know, smart young lad. But oh, yeah. you're listening to the bridge. Um, I, just a quick little story I wanted to say of how fast these videos, uh, you know, spread and how many people they could reach. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if I've shared this with you, you know, off the show, but you know that I did a, I did a Douyin video, I think over two years ago in the beginning of 2021. And that one kind of went viral on Douyin. And then um, a couple of weeks ago, that video got reposted by another, by another account on WeChat channels, which also has a huge user base. And of course that went viral again. And then there are people just commenting and they're like, oh, you know, saying things about po- mostly positive and a lot of us like, oh, this must be staged and this is all fake. Da, 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 da. One of the comments said, judging from the judging from the sound or the way she laughs, I think she's Alex. I was like, <laughs> whoa. I was like, my laugh is 
that uh, is is that unique. And it just kind of it was a very lovely comment to read knowing this person liked the video and also listens to our show. And if you are listening to our show, whoever this uh, this this audience member is, you know, write us an email. And we would read your email on the show. But I felt very honored that you could tell like who whether that person was me, by the way, I laugh. But also at the same time, it is a little you know, a tiny little bit unsettling that people could just know who you are. <laughs> and is it specifically the laughter makes me like laughter convinces mm. me that this is Alex from the bridge. But again, mm. we, we want to thank you for listening to our show and paying attention to my laugh. But that's how mm-hmm. that's how fast things go nowadays. Like that video, mm. I, I got friends messaging me like nonstop. And then I don't even know they're friends that I haven't talked to in a long time. And then I see a notification saying this person's messaging while we chat. And I was like, I know what it's about. I don't want to read it. I know what it's about. Mm-hmm. I'd have to say the same thing to people over and over again. But this is the case where it's a positive content. Well, you know, and speaking of positive content, I want to also talk about this concept of people to people exchanges, because this is one of the uh, ideas, one of the top 10 ideas that I uh, think about very frequently, you know, as we are building this bridge between, you know, the United States and China and also all the other countries that we are, are listened to in around the world. And we're trying trying to basically help one another understand each other. Yeah. I think it's important that the, the traditional roles of people to people exchanges are very important. Like university students from the United States coming to China, China to going to the United States and England, ambassadors and official media, all that stuff is, is really important. And, and people coming to work in China, Chinese folks going to work in Canada and the United States and Australia and England and whatever. Yeah. I also think there's an, an, another missed um, vehicle that sometimes gets overlooked, and that is people who are on social media. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about this show. I'm not trying to do an advertisement for our show. But there are a lot of, you know, American people living in China on social media telling people back home why China is cool and like why they like yeah. it here, why they've lived here for so long, their favorite foods. And there are a lot of Chinese people uh, in the United States talking back home to people in China on Douyin from the United States talking about their life at Harvard or their life at, you know, work or whatever. Yeah. And they're talking about their life in the United States. And so I think overlooked demographic and people to people exchanges is work talking people, people who are essentially on media communicating with folks back in their home countries. You know, we, uh, I, I talked to a gentleman named mm. King Kwesi. Oh yeah. He's a Ghanaian living in Shang- in Shanghai. Now mm. he used to live Live in Weihai, but he's moved to Shanghai because, you know, Shanghai. And he, his demographic is primarily mm. an international audience. So people in the United States watch him, people in England watch him, but also Ghanaians mm. watch him from his home country. And they're essentially learning about what life is like for someone from Ghana in China. And so these people are incremental. They're critical people for people to people exchanges, because even if media relations are on the low or on the high, it doesn't matter. People who choose to live in another country are typically happy. That's why they're there. So if they're making social media content and they're communicating with an international audience or their home country, Hmm. then they are servicing this larger picture of building relationships between people and countries. And I think that, you know, so in terms of if we're going to talk about work talk, let's talk about this ability for them to build bridges. And I wanted to ask you, Alex, are there folks in uh, who are some of the popular influencers that you watch who are not living (laughs) in their home countries? Do you watch any of these folks? I'm going to throw some names out there. And then, you know, what? in the future, I I wish I hope we could get them on the show at some point because I am such. Yeah, sure. You know, 
Um, so there's one uh, one guy. He is from Shanghai, but he went to college. Chinese dude. Uh, his name is Paul. He went to college uh, mm-hmm. in Dongbei. So he started advertising himself as the, the the Shanghai guy who went to Dongbei and came out just speaking full on Dongbei dialect. And then he went to the United States, <laughs> and I think he went to Stanford. That's why he's uh, right now he's living in San Francisco, and he works. I think he works for one of the big tech companies. But that's not what he usually talks about. He got really famous because he uh, he's a very good cook and he makes really good food in America and he makes amazing Chinese food in his uh, own place in San Francisco. And that started uh, started to get really popular among Chinese people living around him. And he um, and he just he just got he just went viral within, I think, a couple of weeks. And now he has, I think, if I'm not mistaken, at least like 10 million followers on mm-hmm. on Douyin, if not more. And he's been using that platform to show people his life in the United States. And whenever there's any event that's, that happens or any incident that happens or help is needed for for whoever, he's a very positive and very useful voice to call for help. And even when they need help, people like give them help. And he's been going to all of these, you know, um, what do you call it? The ethnic days on mm-hmm. different campuses, if it has anything to do with China. And then he will set up a stand and then his fans would just like wow. just flock over um, to support him. It's not just like, oh, my God, I want to see you. You're a celebrity. It's like I watch your video there. Watch your videos and they're so entertaining and very helpful. Um, and we love how you how you curate your content. And we want to be here to support you. So he's been, he's been going crazy, crazy viral and such a, um, and his, his wife is a great mm. baker. She makes amazing desserts. And every time I, if I, if that's the content that they put on, it just makes me feel extra hungry <laughs> at night. And so that's, 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 that's one person. And he has mm-hmm. a very unique style with the rhythm and the pacing of his videos as well. And see if we, we watch like anyone, if we watch any, um, anyone that we both know. <laughs> oh yeah. listening to the bridge sure absolutely uh these three gentlemen are three american men about my age i guess maybe even a little younger they are called the honest drink uh-huh. and they are located in shanghai so these three american men moved to shanghai and they became friends and as a way to perpetuate their friendship they created a podcast called The Honest Drink, where they invite people into their studio yeah. and drink alcohol while discussing the you know topics of the day. And I, you know, they're very popular among pod, a large podcasting audience. Yeah. Because they're Americans living in Shanghai, they've all lived in Shanghai for uh, more than a decade. That's awesome. They have a lot of cross-cultural insights that are useful for helping build bridges. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess if we're speaking about foreigners living in China, there's another person... I think his English name is Tyler, but he's American. He lives in Dalian in Liaoning province. It's also in Dongbei. I'm not picking there. It's always Dongbei. Most of them are there. <laughs> okay, now I feel like I'm repeating myself because he also makes really amazing food videos as well. And mm. he, he really goes around and he speaks very, very perfect Dalian dialect and so there are really funny videos of him mimicking how like grandmas would ask foreigners that are in town <laughs> really random questions and then making like very funny comments and he, there was a video uh that video was like super popular and he also um he has a very fun very very lovely family he would um there was a time when his uh wife was pregnant with their i think second or third child i can't remember 
because his wife couldn't mm. eat like all the amazing food that the city has to offer. So he just waits until his wife goes to sleep <laughs> and then he secretly calls his mother-in-law and the two of them would just sneak out to get like really, so you know, sad really guilty pleasure <laughs> food and bring it back. And then they have to eat very quietly and they <laughs> they can't make like really loud noise because if they wake up, if they had woken up his pregnant wife, then it was not going to be pretty. That's a very funny content as well. Your turn. Well, OK, I'm going to this is the last one because I don't want to make the whole show into like an advertisement for all of these amazing people. And there are so many of you we can't mention. I've got so many of you in my head. But the last one I'm going to mention is Cyrus Jansen, who is an American. Yes. Currently based in Las Vegas. I think he's from Florida. I could be wrong. Sorry, Cyrus. And he moved to China and <laughs> Shanghai and other places and lived in China for more than 10 years before moving to Canada and then moving back to Las Vegas or back to Las Vegas where he makes videos about Sino-US friendship and relations and tr tries to basically get US and China to mm. involve one another in business deals so that the, because his thought one of his many thoughts is that if we can deepen our business relationships we can deepen our understanding and our interdependence, which will facilitate continued peace and understanding. Hmm. All right. Last one is for Alex before we move on in the topic. Can I tell a real life story, though? These are not like influencers yet, but it was a very recent experience. And I think kind of speaks to what we're talking about. Sure. I mean, I, I do have a lot of other accounts that I follow, but I just want to share this. Recently, um, we brought four international guests to the Chengdu Sci-Fi World, uh, Chengdu World Sci-Fi Conference, and this this is a, a world event that goes on in different cities every year. And this year, it's in Chengdu, China. So we brought four former Disney Pixar, Weta Digital, you know, really amazing animation and live action visual effects artists to the Worldcon, and they had a very very amazing experience. It was the first time for I think three of them to just even come to China and then kind of the first time for all of them to be here for a world event in their own line of work. And they had absolutely an amazing time. And one of them, um, our friend Victor Huang, who's American living in New Zealand, he's been making these, you know, like videos every day to kind of just show the highlight moments. And he said, I used to just make one every day. And then it just feels like one or two when he was here was not enough. So that's kind of a world, uh, that's kind of a work talk because he was uh, doing panels. He had other, you know, forum duties that he had to perform. Uh, those videos are very well received among his friends, I'm sure. But a little bit of a down note was um, our other friend, Darnell, who's also among these uh, four guests, went back to his work in Los Angeles and his workplace. I'm not going to name names, but it's, you know, a very international studio working with big movie IPs and visual effects. Mm -hmm. He said it's kind of sad. You bring up a really interesting point. I was talking to someone earlier today yeah. about Pixar specifically. Oh. And they were talking, I think, who, who did Kung Fu Panda? Who did Kung Fu Panda, you said? Uh, which which company made Kung Fu Panda? Kung Fu Panda was Disney. Disney. Pixar. Yeah, it was Disney. That's what I was thinking. I'm just making sure before <laughs> I go off about how wonderful Pixar is. Kung Fu Panda is Disney. They were saying yeah. that in around 2008, 2010, the, you know, Sino-US relations were at their height. And that and was, uh, you know, really coined by... Kung Fu Panda, which created this, you know, amazing bridge between our two nations through the use of animation. And I think mm. that's a, an incredible tool to draw in audiences on both sides of the Pacific to join hands around something that was just fun and enjoyable. Absolutely. Because uh, funny enough, one of the guests we brought 
Mr. Tom Owens, he worked on Kung Fu Panda. And then when we broke that news to these bunch of uh, primary school students that were also at the World Count, it just it kind of things just went out of hand. They started screaming and they started jumping on Tom. <laughs> and he absolutely enjoyed it. And it was the same experience for all of the guests. But when the other guests went back to L.A., when he told his uh, co-workers about his experience in China and he messaged us, he uh, messaged us afterwards and he said, it's kind of ridiculous how you go on vacation, you go to another country and you come back and tell people that you had a great time and they all say that's wonderful. And you tell them that you just come back from China and you had an amazing time and they're just ready to fight. And he's like, I don't know why they're not, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not blaming anyone. It is sad, but I'm glad I, I was able to bring these people out to China, you know, these top artists to China to attend an event and they had such positive feedback and such amazing experience and they're still posting about it on their social media so I hope like if you're their followers and you see that content know that they're actually they're genuinely happy about this experience <laughs> it's not like they had to say something nice and to make me feel a certain way and they really 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 had a great time working and traveling out in China. And that's kind of a work talk that's helping, like we said, building the bridge between people who, who didn't really understand each other. And a lot of the other guests that we talked to, foreign guests, they were like, you know what, honestly, before it came to China, we didn't know what to expect because we didn't know because the things in social and media in general that we've been reading or hearing, and it's not like we're not critical of what's out there, but we just didn't, we didn't think we would come to China. So we didn't think too much about it. The, uh, when we had the opportunity, we came here and they all said, this place is amazing. Like yeah. everything is amazing. The culture, the people and the food, of course. And then the infrastructure. And everybody's absolutely blown away. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. In terms of uh, Californians coming to China, Gavin Newsom is here, yeah. governor of California, and he was on the Great Wall walking around. And I was just like, I'm a California, too. And there's there's my governor. And he's in in the you know the city I'm living here in China. And he, he said some, I think, very balanced things about how we can move forward in our friendship and relationship. I want to switch back a little bit yeah. very narrowly to the topic. This is uh, so this is social media by in the workplace by function. Mm. So it's very specific about that. Um, and it mm. says marketing. So this is it has a bunch of them. But this is the first one that people think of when they think of what. When, when should you be at your work and you should be doing social media? Well, marketing, you know, because I've been talking to this a with a lot of Nobody. people lately. <laughs> Who watches TV? No one. I mean, maybe my my mom is 75, I want to think. She watches TV, I think, but she watches it on like Vivo or something. It's like Netflix kind of. Yeah. So people don't even watch TV. Only like elderly people really watch TV. There's very, very few people who watch TV on a regular basis. And so TV is like, a dying media. Mm. And so where do people turn for, I want to sell my product? You know, you are trying to sell your phone. You're trying to sell ketchup, whatever it is. People are turning to social media influencers. Why? Because social media influencers can very narrowly target exactly who you want to talk to. Yep. This is a influencer who plays with phones and that's all they do. Okay. What do, who should we give money to TV? Yeah. No one watches for some show that, no one watches or an influencer who has only 200,000 followers, say, you know, a small influencer, but 
all they talk about is cell phones. So that is who you're going to go to, to do like a plug where they'll do like one minute plug for like one of their eight or 10 minute videos and they'll plug your product specifically. So this is increasingly the tool which large companies all over the world are using because they can very narrowly target their demographic for much less than the cost of a TV advertisement. Mm. And everyone watching that is their demographic. Every single person watching that influencer. So you you have hotels in Thailand or whatever, a chain of hotels. You invite an influencer who goes and explores hotels. They come, they stay at your hotel, they sh- show how great your hotel is, they do a spot for it. Mm. You pay them very little compared to television, and they are able to reach exactly who you want, people who are interested in going to Thailand and staying in a hotel. Yeah. So this is increasingly the way that marketing is moving forward. This is a kind of work talk because it is essentially it is the future it's also the present i mean with all of these old forms of media that were very exciting and popular a hundred years ago like when tv came out yeah. we were like wow you should, everyone should get a tv and then by the 1950s every american had a tv well yeah i don't actually even think every american has a tv anymore yeah like you know my mom doesn't turn the TV on. She goes and sits in front of her computer now. And she's 75. Everything is on some sort of a smaller <laughs> smaller screen. Nobody wants to watch the... I mean, there's still... The TV itself, the TV sets are still being sold. But inside of them, it's all smart TV. I have one, but it hasn't been on in six months. Yeah, like you can still choose your own content. I think the only time you, I ever watch TV is I'll go into a hotel room and say, oh, wow, there's a TV. And I turn it on. Oh, let me turn this on. For yeah. like 10 minutes. And then it's like, oh, that's annoying. And turn it off. But like, that's yeah, it. Yeah. I, that, you're, it's like in a hotel lobby or like a business lobby where it's all, it just happens to be on or something. But I do not watch TV and I don't know anyone, no one who watches TV anymore. Television yeah, my parents, as a medium, it's gone. My parents still do. But oh, wow. See, we found some. My parents still do. But still. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah they can't figure out how to work the smart TV. <laughs> well, my, my wife's parents have a giant TV, but they basically use it for like Chinese New Year. And I don't know, maybe the Olympics or something. And then otherwise, yeah. it's not on. They don't use that. They're on their phone. Yeah. They're on their phone. They're on WeChat. They're on Douyin. They're on other. Th- th- these are the new tools. These are the tools that have come out. And all of these old medias like TV. I'm, I'm sorry, TV. You are not relevant anymore. And I think <laughs> I think everyone knows that. And this is not just something in the United States, not just something in China. This it's is very universal. Global. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, although I do like the fact that when you watch TV, you have to sit together and watch one screen instead of staring at your own screens and feeling like you're not even in a physical space together anymore. But it is kind of That's why I bring my wife to the yeah, to the movie. That's theater. true. That's true. That's a little <laughs> that's a little pricey, isn't it? Like <laughs> compared with like a TV set, you can just have this is so- a quick ten minutes or 30 minutes watching something together. But it is undeniable that more people are on mobile screens instead of in front of a a TV set. And that's just a trend of of the world. You're listening to The Bridge. I wanted to add uh, when it comes to using uh, social media for marketing purposes there's also another thing i don't know if you're familiar with it jason it's called the takeover no okay so this it started with i think um maybe it started with twitter or, or weibo or whatever these company accounts or these organization accounts instead of to have more interaction with their followers or their fans or their potential customers they 
want to add the human aspect to a brand because when you follow when you follow a brand, you kind of think that it's just going to be product related content or company updates, but they want to make it more interesting and more human. So they will do the takeovers. And now it's also on Instagram, TikTok, and, and even YouTube. And these take takeovers um, are essentially when you have one person from the company and say, I'm having a Twitter, everything that going to be posted all the comments that i'm going to leave or reply to are going to come from and that way people kind of have it kind of adds a human flavor to this organization or to a brand or company and more importantly this boosts up the interaction to build your company culture and employer branding um, to your your audiences, to your followers, because companies, big, especially bigger companies, they spend a lot of money in um, employer branding and organizational culture to their employees and to their potential employees that are um, not with their company yet to make sure they understand this company has a good culture. Um, and you can send out all kind of messages you want to send, you can find a younger person and say, hey, we have a young workforce and we're open and flexible with them. Or you can find someone who's a little bit more senior and say our leadership is very accessible. So there's a lot of different strategies that you can take uh, with these little takeovers. And organizations between themselves sometimes do that too. If you're working, if you're a brand working with an NGO, the NGO could say, we're having a takeover of Nike Twitter account or Nike TikTok and they do that. Or TikTok itself does these uh, workplace videos that encourage their employers to 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 make to show people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what it's like to work within TikTok. So that's another way. That's another way that you can use social media to help your company uh, build their brand, and you also have one day <laughs> of glory and exposure and just fun interacting with everybody. And that day, you get to use social media however much you want to because it's justified and paid for by the company. Mm. Well, you know, I wanted to go back to TV for just 10 seconds and just mention that yeah. I think the technology of the physical TV is still useful for things like Netflix. Like you were mentioning sitting and uh, you know what Netflix can chill. I don't think that's going anywhere. Although Netflix, I think, has diversified its uh, or mm. changed the way its passwords work recently and more people are having to buy accounts. Moving on to another group in, uh, in your company, yeah. communications and PR beyond marketing, public relations. So if you're going to issue an apology, you don't do that on television. You do that on your like in america i guess on twitter or or facebook or something although less people are using facebook another one human relations so that's something you just mentioned hr advertising what it's like to work there or uh talking to candidates potential future candidates or university stuff that's also happening on social media that's not on television uh and customer support Mm. increasingly you know i used to have to go google and go to a very specific microsoft like website if you have a problem you don't do that anymore you don't i don't go to like microsoft Microsoft's official account. I find them on a social media platform and they have a tutorial how to fix something because you're already on Mm. whichever social media platform that you're using. So people just they're looking for what they want, where they are. They don't want to go and have to go find it on someone's website. Even websites are kind of Mm. less specific. Website specific uh, online traffic is probably down because people are people who are Instagram people. Right. They're looking for everything on Instagram. I'm not, I'm not always just on that one, but like 
people who are very specific to one kind of social media platform, they're looking for all the information about how to manage their life on that. Mm. And, you know, I think that's especially helpful here in China where you have WeChat and WeChat has pretty much everything. For people in America, I want to explain that to you really quickly. You know, yeah. I do banking. I do my banking on WeChat. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I pay my bills on WeChat. Mm. I can't, I mean, I know I can pay them elsewhere, but I choose not to. I can order my taxi on WeChat. Mm. I can order food on WeChat. I can donate to charities on WeChat. Like in China, you know, I could go to all these other platforms. I don't mean to say anything about there's a ton of other Chinese social media platforms and media platforms, or I could just go to DD. I can get the app for DD and order my taxis on it. But WeChat has what they call mini apps. So you have DD built into it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Listening to the bridge. So this is, I think we're running out of time. This is social media in the workplace employee perspective. Here's what employees say about their social media use at work mm. and the percentages of why they use it. And this is this is exactly what we said. It was a little dangerous and uh, risque. Mm. 34% say it's to take a break from work so yeah people are using it to watch cat cat videos yeah. just as we asserted and it's a break it's a legit break from work yeah maybe you are taking a break maybe you actually have you've been working for two or three hours and you do need exactly. five or ten minutes to watch cat cat videos yeah exactly and um <laughs> uh 27 say it's to connect with friends and family Mm. I call my mom at, on my phone. I'm like a phone call, you know, like once a week. But I guess that's because I live in China. I don't know. Maybe it's yeah. different. And she's in the United States. 24% is to make support professional connections, which is almost the only reason I'm really on there. 20% mm. say it helps, gets info to help them solve problems at work, which is what we were just talking about. Exactly. And 17% build strength and relationships with coworkers. <laughs> on those company gossip apps. 17% to... L yeah. Well, this next statistic is much more like that. 17% again to learn about a colleague. So they're looking each other ah, up. Okay. Well, I do do that. When I was still working at the company, if we have anyone new joining the company, first thing is I look them up on LinkedIn. <laughs> I can't <laughs> before, get into LinkedIn. Before even talking to them. I LinkedIn. Hey, if you're listening from huh? LinkedIn, I can't get into my account. I don't know. There's something wrong with it. I've been trying to get back in for six months. I, I just don't have LinkedIn anymore. Oh, well. I'm, I'm not a big fan of LinkedIn anymore. Oh, no. 12% <laughs> um, to ask work-related questions of people external to their organization. Hmm. And 12% to ask work-related questions of colleagues. So uh, I think this is drawn from all this data is drawn from the United States. So we're looking at uh, data from the United States. This is from Swaybase.com blog social media in the workplace. So uh, it might be different in different countries, a little bit, a little more varied. Um, but, you know, increasingly people go on social media because it's part of their work. And especially if you're in media or you're in marketing or if you're in HR or you're in sales, then your job is to be on social media. So increasing and also influencers whose job is literally social media. So now this new term work talk is out there and it means a lot of different things. 
I think we've covered mm. quite a few of them. I wanted to ask one last question of Alex, who's kind of an expert in this field, uh, for those longtime lis- listeners of the show. Oh, let's see what your question is. Well, in the United States, we have a variety of apps. And you can tell from my limited experience in China, using WeChat is prim- my primary vehicle for doing everything. Can you give us some insight, yeah. us non-Chinese folks, into, you know, what are the top five, you know, interactive media, uh, not, not for videos, but for actually communicating with other people, mm-hmm. like in some way, or whatever it is in China that are used by Chinese folks beyond the WeChat bubble? Oh my God. I honestly don't know if there's an answer to that question because I feel like everything is really? on WeChat. It's very rare that people wow. talk outside of WeChat so on like their that. phones. Yeah. Like people don't really send short, uh, the, what you call it, SMS anymore. Um, and then they don't, there's no other app that is even as big as WeChat where people actually use it as a communication kind of tool. Like you, we talk to our friends on Douyin because even though it is a short video platform, mm. um, we do, we do have groups uh, for messaging, mm. but those are for like when we see funny content and we try to comment and have a quick conversation about the funny or interesting content that we share with each other within the group. Um, same thing with the uh, Little Red Book, like Xiao Hongshu, the other mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, lifestyle app and then um, Billy Billy maybe other video well, apps I think let me problematize yeah but that's that's really it let me problematize yeah. this for you because I was surprised by something that happened to me recently it's not directly related to communication but it's you know mm. which apps are popular in China question I was in um, Hangzhou about I don't know a month mm-hmm. ago and I went to pay and there was no in some stores yeah. there was no WeChat QR code it was only Alipay and so I turned to my wife Summer oh. and she said okay. uh, Alipay's headquarters is in Hangzhou and so there's a preference built into the city for Alipay and so I was like really are there other cities like yeah. this and she's like no Hangzhou is it but you get into Hangzhou and they're going to be more they're going to be like no you need to pay with Alipay and it will be maybe the opposite in like yeah. Shenzhen where maybe it's like you could only pay with WeChat chat sometimes but in most cities in, in beijing i travel a lot mm. you can pay with both either wherever you go it, both are everywhere but apparently yeah. in hangzhou i'm uh, not apparently yes in hangzhou there are some places you can only pay with alipay so that was a new experience for me because i have alipay i just never use it interesting interesting and and alipay has messaging functions as well you just want to talk to oh people yeah it's just not talk to people that you uh send money back and forth with <laughs> that could happen as well <laughs> all right so this is work talk and we're trying to develop relations between uh china and the rest of the world and because i'm from the united states specifically the united states if you mm-hmm. want to contribute to our conversation uh, you know i think a good topic for you to participate with is who are your favorite international influencers who are helping build bridges between countries your home country and china or the united states or any country around the world who are your favorite influencers and why please email us at we love the bridge at gmail.com thank you for your time listeners thank you for your time I'm Alex. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, everyone. We look forward to receiving your emails. Yeah.